This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Welcome to the Washed Up Emo Podcast. I'm Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today for episode 96, we welcome Cameron Boucher from Sorority Noise. Cam is a simple man. He wanted to be in a band, then he wanted to tour, then he wanted to get to California. Easy things. One day he said he would be friends with The World is a Beautiful Place. Now they are, and countless more in the scene today. Great job, Cam. Sorority Noise wrote to me, the album of the year. It's called You're Not As Blank As You Think. And it's out March 17th on Triple Crown Records. Now, if it's in the future, it's out now. In this episode, we go through the new album track by track, what he can't sleep without, and discuss a band's place in today's political climate. And lastly, we discuss what he's dreaming about next. This is episode 96 of the Washed Up Emo Podcast with Cameron Boucher from Sorority Noise. Uh, before Twitter, <laughs> where did you grow up? Uh, Hooks in New Hampshire. And small town, right? Yeah, like 3,000 people in my hometown, which is small, right? Yeah, it's small. Yeah, my, I, yeah I think my town was 3,000. Yeah, and my uh, my high school was a little bigger, but yeah, New Hampshire is like the biggest city in New Hampshire is like 100,000 people. Um, so my high school had like 3,000 people, which was great because it, filled it filtered in from like four different towns and the main city. Love New Hampshire. <laughs> I'm like the biggest proponent of New Hampshire. Now, now as a... Resident of Vermont, we would always have like a Vermont, New Hampshire, like, like I think it was like a high the, school the football shrine, game. The yeah, the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, my dad yeah. played in the Shrine game. Get the my, hell out of here. My dad and his brothers played in the Shrine game. When? Uh, my dad was born in 64, so 64 plus 17 is like <laughs> like 80-something is what my dad No did. way. Yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's all like I think of my bro- dad's five brothers, four, three, or, three or four of them are Shrine players and they'd have like the shriners go out in their little shrine cars before on the parade what's funny is there's six people listening right now that probably know what we're talking about and i'm okay with that yeah the the shrine bowl (laughs) (laughs) uh and then you know learning about music i grew up in a small town it was for me it was mail order catalogs it was friends it was a show it was a seven inch with the you know with the uh thank you list also in a small town was there a record shop was there someone that there was, was being cool and you know helping you learn about stuff i wish there was people later on but like i didn't get into uh, like anything other than classic rock till i was about 15 and i just knew that because of what i grew up on like i was heavy into acdc and like led zeppelin the whole the whole catalog and then um 
someone showed me, I believe Motion City Soundtrack was the first band I heard that wasn't a classic rock band. Oh, no, them and Wolf Mother I heard in the same day. Oh, wow. It was, it was a great day. I got really into that Wolf Mother record. Wolf, I mean, so yeah, so then there was this band from my hometown called La Antietam. It was like a screamo band that I started going to see shows and like really just like taking everything away from them. There was another band called Cowboys or Indians, and they were also like a super heavy screamo band. Bravo fucking bravo. Like all of the, like, New Hampshire had a really great screamo scene. Like, uh, Sinaloa would play up there a lot. And uh, Alessa. There's just a lot of legends. Like, just my area legends. Yeah. And then you went to Boston. You had bands like... Um, there's just so many bands in Boston. Uh, and But New Hampshire, I'll just focus there. Uh, I started going to shows and playing in bands. And then I remember playing this one show. I might have mentioned this last time we talked, but I played this one show when I was 17. Or maybe 16. And uh, my post-rock band was playing this... Uh, it was a it was a Christian venue called Ground Zero in Allenstown, New Hampshire. Probably like fifteen hundred people lived in Allenstown. Like no one, like the venue in the in a strip mall, and uh, they had this huge post, this huge painting of Jesus on the wall, and it said "Hardcore Forgiveness" on it. It was like some shit. And they made the the promoter, the venue owner, would read your lyrics every time before you played. And so one of the bands was a screwball band, and they had a song called Ash Wednesday that was just like very not preaching Christian ideals. So they just like made up fake lyrics, and when they were screaming, you know, it could tell like what he was saying. Yeah. Um, but that show was uh, Alessa Mural and uh, this band called Confidon, and then Confidon uh, started their set and just said, "Hey, we're Confidon. We love '90s emo." And I had never heard that phrase before. And I was like 16 or 17. I watched their set and it literally like changed. I was like, I'd never heard American football. I'd never heard the first emo band I heard was this band playing this Christian venue to like 10 people. And they weren't a Christian band. They were just playing the show. And then I went home and immediately like checked out because I'd been into like some screamo stuff, but I hadn't really, I only checked it on a surface level. Like I wasn't obsessed with it. You know what I mean? It was just like going to a house show or something like that. And then, yeah, I saw Confidant play and uh, went home. Within the next week, I was in, like, American football territory. And, like, I mean, I guess the rest is just as it goes. And I just started finding out. I used Last.fm as, like, my main resource for finding bands. Because you could just type in American football, and there was a million bands. it told bands. you it, ten other bands. Yeah, it, it showed you the one up downstairs. It showed you, uh, like, everything Mike Kinsella had touched. Yep. Also, dude, I just heard, um, speaking of Kinsella, did you hear that new Joan of Arc record yet? I haven't heard it. Dude, the first song, uh, the first song on it, the first song they released, my friend Eric showed it to me yesterday. Is it's uh, they named it after this. They call it "This Must Be the Placenta" off of the Taking Back Sunday. Um, Taking Back Sunday. Holy shit! <laughs> Talking Head song, and it's so weird. It's so sick. Did you go to that? Did you see them play that show? You're not in. Never mind. Forget. Okay, Zach is late to the show as always. He's busy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah um and then yeah and then i just started branching out from there and kind of moved to connecticut and got involved with a lot more bands met uh what year did you move to connecticut went to school 2011 and uh i made a bet going to connecticut with my bit ba- old gray had just started and i made a bet with my bandmates that i would one day become friends with the people in the world is a beautiful place because they were from connecticut and uh specifically to just send my friend Greg Horball and now booking agent just like links to obscure bands 
always on Facebook. Like, I'm surprised he didn't delete me as a friend. Like, I would punish him. And uh, I wanted to just, like, it was so weird. And then now he's, like, one of my closer friends. That's and right. It was such a weird, like, fact that I had put. Like, that was the only first and few times I think I've ever put a band on a pedestal past of, like, obviously you have your big popular bands that are, like, out of the realm of, like, but, I mean, it, you're pretty much mostly just equals playing, doing what you love in terms of, like, playing a house or being in the DIY community. So I got really into My Heart of Joy. I tried to sneak down to their last show, um, and my parents wouldn't let me. And uh, What about the, you know, the, was it 2011? That was kind of... It was a huge year. I played with, uh, Old Grey played a show, I think summer of 2012. Um, I threw a show at my parents' house. The only show that ever happened at my parents' house was us and this band called Circe. That was this, like, hardcore band from Boston. And then that night, we went and played with Algernon uh, at this uh, venue in Lowell, this house called The Ant Cellar. And, like, that show, I was talking to Joe Reiner, who played in Algernon the other day, about that show, and he remembered it, too. Like, people were, like, there was all pipes in the ceiling, and the ceiling was, like, maybe seven to seven and a half feet high. And people were just, like, ripping their bodies up, like, wow. crowd surfing. It was, like, the most packed I've ever seen a basement. And Algernon was just one of those, like, I'd never seen them play a show where it wasn't chaos. And they're probably like the perennial band for me, like into getting into tapping. And some of Joe's guitars licks are just insane and like unfathomable. Well, you joked when we talked the last time that you thought you had invented Twinkle. Yeah. And then someone's like, hey, have you heard Algernon? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It was just like that. <laughs> Them and like Grown Ups is probably my, like my favorite band of that ilk, like period. Um, but yeah, I thought I invented it with this band called Talis Vita when I was in, when I was 17. And then someone showed me this genre of music and I was like, like, because I had gotten into 90s emo, but I hadn't gotten into, like, the, like, mathy, like, that aspect of it. Uh, that's a good riff. I should think about that one later. But uh, What did you think about when it was, you know, 09, 10, when a lot of these bands started getting recognition or more talk and Philly and all this I other wasn't that. Of- I wasn't, on, truth be told, I wasn't that involved. 2009, I was... Were you aware of it? 2009, I was 15. So I still, I was not aware, I was aware that Philly was awesome for music, and I was aware that Algernon and Snowing and High Tide Hotel and all the bands, by like 2010, I was starting to really catch wind of like the rise of the popularity of it, and that's when I started like Old Grey. What did it, what connected, what what was, what did it like connect to you? Was it the community? Was it the music? It was everything. I think it was like finding out about the world is and finding out about like going to house shows and seeing it was a place like... For everybody. Yeah, totally. And playing a house and like, I would talk about this, like people, my voice doesn't really go bad when I do sorority noise touring because in Old Grey for the first two years, I just outright refused to use a microphone. <laughs> like I would just scream into the void. And so now like I, I don't get like tossed up on shows when I, cause I'm like, well, compared to what I did for touring for two years, this is a walk in the, I'm singing yeah, yeah. into a microphone with a monitor. Like yeah, I might as well be drinking water as compared to drinking like gravel. So, um, I loved I wouldn't play anything but a house. I was like so like about, I would give my friends who weren't involved in DIY shit. I was so like, I was elitist to a point where like, I'd be like, Oh, do you know Agna Moraine's autobiography? And people were like, obviously not. And I'd be like, well, mm-hmm, sure. And you know I mean? I just had this whole like air of like betterness about me that I started to find a root, like a problem with some of the communities I was involved in was that there was like this elitism where if you weren't up to date on like what band was what, then it was kind of like, um, people just weren't going to talk to you about stuff as much anymore. So I started to like, but I was like, re, like in high school, like my senior high school, I would like, I did this thing where I was the president of my school, senior high school, and I implemented this thing called music in the cafeteria on Thursdays. And it was supposed to be like, I'm going to put a 
put a list of song, put a list out, and people can fill out the song they want, and uh, I'll play it, and you can just listen. We can just chill and listen to music in the cafeteria. But I would literally had my own agenda. I would just play like, like borderline screamo slash like indie rock slash emo <laughs> music, and people would be like, "What is this? Turn it off! I hate this!" Like, because some of those bands have very tough harmonies. Like Raina Maria is not a band that is very easy to like. I think just like you have to really understand the emotion going into it and the musicality that comes with it. But like some of the harmonies really start to like really gnash at you. And a lot of those like early like Mm -hmm. 90s emo bands, like recording quality is not a concept. It's just it just rocks or it doesn't rock. And so I would play that and people would be like, I don't want to hear where is where is anything but this. And I'd be like, no, trust me, you want (laughs) you want this. And uh, I got a few friends and my friend Zach, who we've been friends since we were in eighth grade is modern baseball's like guy like we've we've done this whole thing together he's my roommate and he comes on tour with us too so he he had to to bear witness to my like every level of like musical like uh elitism i've gone through but i think we're in a nice common place now where i like all music if i don't like something i say it's not for me it doesn't suck (laughs) anymore it's just not for me Uh, what you know? Have you felt different about the business of music as you've sort of been in it some more? Yeah. Like, you know, have you been like, oh, it's like this? Totally, yeah, it's totally. Di- I like to still uh, like to play dumb. Mm, I know kidding, everything yeah. that's going on. I think no, I don't. Basically, I'm lucky enough to have people that um, care about me and the care about like the future of my music. So I just get to write all the time, and then I finish a thing. And send it to my manager, Zach. And I just say, here's this. Sometimes I give him shit because I miss the time. Like when I was first starting off, literally you finished a record and you put it on Bandcamp that night. Yeah, yeah. Like you would finish, I would finish recording and I'd be like, post on the Facebook page being like, new album comes out in two hours. <laughs> and then like just post it. And that's what I thought. I'd well, talk I to the dudes in Tiny Moon Parts and like you blew it about that. We would used to just like record and put the stuff out and... That's what I knew until someone else was starting to invest in my music. And mm-hmm. there has to be this whole – doesn't have to be. I mean, it has to be. Like, it's this – the process of releasing music becomes different once you start working with other people. But if you're just working on your own, just kind throw of it online. Take, yeah, it's just like what we used to do. And it used to be exciting. It used to go about midnight. Like, who – literally, I would say I've released six or seven releases in my life that were like, comes out at midnight, check back here then. And it's just like – but now you're able to focus on the Yeah, now I can just write and I say like, and then someone tells me this is the date it's coming out. And I'm like, awesome, let's do this. So were, were there things that you wish you were told before you started? I think I learned it. I think that I, I'm glad that I, I, I definitely made some mistakes and uh, screwed some relationships up and like screwed some things up in my life in general. You but can't I be think, friends with everybody. Yeah, I think that I just like became like a, I learned more about myself in that process. So... I'm kind of glad I went into, I literally went into this knowing nothing. Like I made all the, like the people always had for advice. And it's kind of just like, go to shows and make friends with people in your scene. Like go to shows that you're not playing. That's I think the biggest part about it. I would just go to every show I could and meet new people. And then someone would be like, Oh, you play in a band. I play in a band. We should book a show together. And it'd be like, yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then you go to that show and their friends, bands, their friends start liking your band. And it's not like Sony's not picking your record up tomorrow. If you just started and put it out and you're not getting a, a million sales or I, I plays just had on Spotify. A, I just had a meeting with someone and they were like really excited and they, you know, they're in a band and they're playing music. And I started asking those questions of like, Hey, who have you, you know, who have you hung out with lately? What bands have you played with? Totally. And it was like none of that sort of community part. Yeah. I think that's it. the biggest part about it. And like you talk to your, I talked to my friends in the scene 
Um, like I booked modern baseball at my house to twelve to like thirteen people at a friend in a friend's living room. I booked I paid Foxing out of pocket to make sure that they could help fix their van when they played a show at Boston in like twenty thirteen with me. Julian Baker comes from the same like DIY aspect and like so many people do I know that continue in this scene and have really have bands that have exploded. I know them from watching them in a ten person house. And I think that makes me watch their rise so much more important and like but if, there's something that you can see connecting. I think people totally. sometimes ask of like, why are you supporting this band or this or what's the, and it's that ilk. It's that understanding yeah. of there's it's it's bigger than the music and it's not like I'm playing this because I know it's going to be huge. Totally, I'm playing this because it's what I have to do. Yeah, I'm playing this because it's the only thing. I used to hemorrhage money in college, taking a bus up to Boston to play one show and not get paid, and then drive back and then take a bus back. And I just lo- I would just have like ten dollars in my bank at all times, but it didn't matter to me. I'd walk like four miles from the bus back to my college because like it meant I got to save $10 to go take a bus up next week. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it doesn't like, I would work like, I worked like 90 hours a week one summer just to go on a two week tour. Cause my parents told me I needed to save up. And so it's just like a lot of those things don't make sense to me when people like you just, and like also to measure your own success, like is a matter of your own self opinion and self worth. Like it's not, there's no one grander like Adele on the grand scale of things. Adele is success. Like, someone that can sell as many records as she does, that's famous. But to me, it's like, we're just a bunch of people playing music, doing what we love to do, and we're incredibly grateful to be able to do. But our friends, bands, and us, we're just normal. Like, hanging out. Charlie goes to the bar a lot. Like, we I'm going to a Sixers game next week. Like, we just like to do things. Like, yeah. And we get very fortunate to be able to tour in, like... But I think that, like, working a job... Like, I still support myself outside of music as well. Like, I have to work other jobs, and all my bandmates do, and I think that's important to just have to have that constant working towards and it adds to the realness of the music as a whole, I think. Cause it's not the, it's not like you're in this world where everything's at your beck and call and totally. you're still kind of, all oh, right, I'm at the coffee shop. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just like, <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. Totally. I'm lucky. I built a studio in Philly. So now I get to spend every minute there, which nice. is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about the new record. Um, how is this supposed to be said? Because I was, I was, do you just, can I insert any word? I've never said it out loud. Say it now. No. Why not? I have, I, the other day you, someone asked me to say What it. other podcast are you going to do? Say it. I'm not, not going to say, I, 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 when we talk about it, we say like, you're not at, you're not as, as you think. I okay. think to put whatever word in there after you want. I've been saying fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's totally sick. <laughs> You're not as fucked as you think. That's cool. That's whatever that's you want. That's sort of like a everything's okay. You I think can hopefully I l- move on. I think, but it also is the transverse. Like, uh, like if you if you say you're not as fucked as you think, you could also say, um, what's the opposite of fuck? You're not as celibate. I'm joking. Gracious. Gracious. Maybe like there's just it's the opposite. Like it both will level you down. Like you're not as if you were to say fucked. You're not as fucked as you think would be like, okay, it's not that bad. But there is like the opposite where it's like, it's not that good. Mm-hmm. So like, I think the ability to have both transverse options of it allow you to kind of like center yourself in a place. And that's how I kind of take it. Well, rad. Well, I've had a chance. I, think, to I don't s- know how people feel about it. It's I've, fine. <laughs> I, 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 I want to, I can't wait for all the mistakes where people mess up how it's supposed to be written. And then also all the puns. Is it five hyphens? We decided on f- or five underscores. Okay, so five underscores. I want to. <laughs> so if you're looking for metadata, right? Yeah, that's I want the word see, I'm looking for. I want to see people that have <laughs> will mess it up when they post about it or put a, a word in to have a pun. Totally. 
So I go think for you, it. Do whatever you want. That's what I'm saying. You've left yourself open for writers to make puns, and, and that's I think fine. that's fine. Yeah, I think that I want to leave it up to anyone to interpret it any way they want. Like, there's no grand decision. I'm never gonna like say that. That's it's like the way Mad it is. Libs. I loved Mad Libs. Yeah, except it's like, yeah, it's honestly the same. Like, it has to be one word to put in it. So you can do whatever you want with it. I've picked fucked. You've picked fucked. Uh, I've had a chance to hear it, and it's fantastic. Thank you, dude. Um, I usually don't remember words when I listen to music. I'm more listening to the guitar riffs, totally, or listening to the drum beats or things like that. Just as a musician, yeah. for me, um, I remember the lyrics, damn, um, which was cool, and it felt it was more a conversation versus verses, totally. Um, and I also thought, too, your voice changes throughout it. So the delivery is different, and it doesn't sound like the same song or the same sort of delivery. Then that's um, awesome to hear. So I thought that was great. Thank you, dude. Um, so definitely, you know, what was different about this recording? Did you have more time? Did you have... Uh, we worked... First time I ever did a record not myself. Okay. We got to go to a studio. We got to work with a producer. We got to practice at least two days beforehand like we we really went all the way in on this one and uh uh we were really grateful to have triple crown put it out for us and they helped us to realize all of our dreams i can't wait till fred leaves so you can see how you feel <laughs> that's for fred <laughs> uh but yeah i mean the whole thing was like it was definitely different i like was so hesitant about everything like because i like was spent it spent like three, four months of maybe like five, six, maybe seven, eight months of my life just like focusing on this was the only thing I was worried about. I would spend countless hours. I was went through like a million phases of demos. There's like these songs in like every possible interpretation for my own brain. And then, yeah, we, we spent four days working on it together. And then we got to go to a studio where we got to have Mike Sapone, uh, coach, as we called him affectionately, mm-hmm. come help us with the record and... We had Claudius Mittendorfer do some drum teching, and he worked with, like, Muse on Black Holes and Revelations and stuff. He's a legend. And we got to have Rat do some engineering and Kevin do some engineering and Gary do some engineering. So it was just, like, a lot of people helping us out a lot. And uh, I don't think at the same time, though, it didn't detract from any of what we did. It was still the same focus, and we recorded the album live. So, like... All the songs were done with, and drum and bass were kept from the similar takes. Like Ryan, we would overdouble a thing or here too, mm-hmm. but like all of the tracks were done live, and then we would layer on top of that. So I think that helped because um, when we play live, it's different than the records of past. Like I don't know if you've seen some orders recently, yeah. but like when we do, uh, we just make songs heavier and or faster or slower now. And so this one was like, if we do it live, then maybe we can harness a lot of the energy uh, that we bring live to the record that we've never been able to do. So yeah, there's a lot going on different, but it was really sweet. It felt again, it felt tighter definitely than the other records. It felt smarter. Thank you. Yeah. I put like all of my self into this. So I hope I went through like, it's probably a million influences and a million inspirations for all the stuff. So it's trying to be all over the place, I guess. Keep it interesting. <laughs> and then again, with we talked before, you know, sort of your anxiety and like having issues where things would happen and you couldn't do something. But you also said you write so much when you are in those totally. feelings. Yeah, so yeah. was it where a lot of this, I mean, I want to go through some of the themes and, and some of the songs, but uh, what were you, 
was it was it tough? Were you was it writer's block? Were you sitting there like I have all this shit I want to say? I would say most of the songs were written probably from like twenty minutes to thirty minutes each. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty good. I just like get myself in like a if I'm like having an episode or dealing with some stuff, it'll get to a point where to help myself get out, I'll just like sit with my guitar and just strum. I'll come up with a riff idea or like a chord, some chords, and then like hit my phone and hit voice memo and just start going and just like recite what's coming out of me and like talk about exactly how I feel in that moment to hopefully get some things out that I couldn't otherwise like by just writing or something like that. When did you notice, when did you know that 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 was the way to help that 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 was the way for you to, to probably when I was like music's always just kind of been there, be it any facet, like, uh, started playing jazz when i was younger so like always playing music was always my therapy and my release like just because it's just you it's just like it's selfish it's just you're just self-serving your own thoughts Mm -hmm. so it was important and huge to me to just write and like not always has it been bearable like when i was in like high school i would write some real garbage stuff yeah but as everyone did but like it did the same for me then that it does now so it's like sure i may have learned a couple more have a couple more tricks up my sleeve and know like three or four more chords that i can apply to a song but in the end of it it's no different feeling than like in the sense of therapy that comes with songwriting than it was when i started writing and i think that as long as you keep that it's just what's what I know. And mm-hmm. I, I strive to know more about myself, but I fill it up with music because it's what I know and do all of that constantly. And I'm constantly writing. So yeah, I, when I say the song was written in 30 minutes, I mean the skeleton for the song. Of I don't mean like, yeah, I don't mean like everyone was in the band and we were like, all right, no, that's, but it, that's cut it. A lot of times when you're watching those rockumentaries or the behind the musics or whatever, and it's like X song was written and you know, we just went in and wrote it. Totally. Yeah. And so I would just present it to them. Moments. I would present it to them and they'd either be like, yo, this song is not good, dude. And I would just throw it away or like save it for later. But then they might be, band might be like, this is great. Tell what was exactly that riff from that other song? Maybe we could put yeah, the, the kind riff of thing. for No Halo was actually a. I tried to make an old gray song of the, out of that four years ago. I love that, and uh, I just was like, we we're working on the record, and I never knew know how to. I never knew how to take that riff. I just had like the boot, and I was just like, let's just jam on this riff, and like when we feel appropriate to like take that next step, let's just go for it, and we'll just see where we end up. And, like, everyone just landed right on it. And I was, like, I had never... Like, that was one song that would have been absolutely nothing without the band. Like, they fully brought it to life and realized it with me. Well, the, I, what I've noted on this one was just, you know, obviously the quiet, loud stuff. But the chorus, I mean, it kind of hits you being that first song really comes out. Totally. I think we had, like, five or six different songs. We went through a lot of different uh, orders for this record and a lot of songs. We built on a couple that I thought were going to be permanent on the record. And... uh one song that is uh, my kind manager Zach's favorite song that I've done. We just cut it because it didn't fit. Um, and yeah, I just, it was like, uh, there were so many different orders, but that was the one we decided to open with. And I'm glad, like, aside from, the, like, involved with the streaming and, like, the release and the singles and stuff, I try and keep a back seat and let, like, the people in charge of putting the record out put that stuff out because I feel like if I pick certain songs that I think are better or more accessible than the others, then I feel like I'm... Um, I'd be remiss to think that I was belittling the other songs. Mm-hmm. So like when, with me, it's like the whole thing is one piece. So then maybe someone might be like, this is the first song you should do. And we were, we did, we streamed No Halo, which is the first song first, which I know that there's like the idea that like, 
for if you stream the first song on the album, it's like bad luck or something like that. I've never heard that. I heard used to hear that, right? It's just not it's not standard, I don't think. But I think it's smarter, and I'm really glad we did that first because so often the first song that comes out for a record, I get obsessed with and listen to a lot. Not saying that anyone's obsessed with Sorority Noise or whatever, but I'm saying when a band puts out a song first and I'm excited about that band, I will abuse that song. Um, but then when you listen to the record, say maybe that song is number five on the record. So when I listen to that record, I get to song five, six months down the line, I'm done with that song. Yeah, yeah, I skip done. it every time. Not skip it every time, but like, I'll be like oh, I know mean. this song, yeah, yeah. in and out. Like, oh, let's go to the next one. <laughs> or when I'm revisiting the record, I'll just be like, I know this song so well. So we just did the first song first, which is, I think, smart because now that's the first song on the record. So when you hit play and you want to listen to the record, you already know where you've already, yeah, already yeah. heard the first song. And so like maybe that is like the get you into the other songs. So I don't even know which ones we're doing next. I have an idea, but like I have, can't uh, – it could be cool for eventually for a record to just only like – do the first few songs straight on the record and then you just have to listen to the whole <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, you have to. It's like a rule. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, this, the second track, of Portrait Of, that is my favorite on the record. Oh, damn, thank you. Um, that didn't almost didn't make it. I was my number one chopping block song. I didn't want it to be on the record and the rest of the band told me they would quit. Thank they you, They were man. like, thank you, I'm serious because I was like, I just don't think this dessert, I don't think I like it that much. Now I, I've come around back around to it because like that song was written probably a year and a half ago so it's been like so much time in between some of these songs, between like the way I feel as a human, but I really identify still with that one. Who who are you talking to? Are you talking? It seems like you're talking to someone. I think it's like a grand conversation with the friends I've lost over the past few years, like mm-hmm. uh, or people that are struggling, and like people often ask me, like, how do I deal with this emotion? Or I also have mental illness. How? what's the best coping mechanism or what's a way that I can like get to the root of this and feel better. But it's like, I don't have answers. Mental illness and, and, and the problems that come with it are so individual based. I have suggestions I want to offer. I have like, you go to anyone, they'll tell you to drink more water. Like, Hey, try drinking more water. It's like, I don't have the answers to <laughs> what's wrong. I don't have the answers for myself. I'm just every day. I try a new method. It's kind of like, trying to think of an example like uh if i mean for this too like for each pitcher if you're playing if you were playing like football the other quarterback you're gonna have to plan for each different off if you're a defense player you're gonna have to plan for each offense differently like the patriots may be one team but the rams might be another offense they're running and you as a defensive player have to plan for both offenses to know what's coming at you but one method might not work on both so I have like a million coping mechanisms I've tried in and out. And I know when I'm feeling low, I can go through the checklist and try them all. But it's about creating that own checklist. And it's about creating your own kind of like, I just like, it's difficult to say what might help. You know what I mean? Like uh, with your anxiety, because it's at the end of the day, it's just you that knows how to deal with that and take care of yourself in that way. And you have to learn how to do that. So I think that, that this song might be a conversation on that. No, I felt that. I mean, you were going through a lot of themes. You were, you were discussing sort of remembrance, but also happy memories. Totally. And it was like all at once, which is what someone feels yeah. when they're losing. Pretty exasperated, I someone. think. Yeah. At the end of the song, the lyrics didn't make it to the album because I want to do that differently every time we play. Uh, just the yelling part at the whole end of that song. It's just like uh, very 
um, much just me. I did that one take. I just went in the studio and just yelled how I felt in that moment and mm-hmm. just kept it. That was the take we did. So I think I'm going to try and do it differently every time we play it. Nice. Uh, the first letter from St. Sean. Um, I love, you know, that's quieter opening. Um, you know, if you know, I love that it was the slower song kind of, I, I think perfect placement in the oh, album you. cycle, just where you got two bangers. Let's, let's chill for a second. Um, I guess, I mean, I've, felt like it was something about suicide but i couldn't really I couldn't yeah tell. it's uh it's the song is about my friend sean um and who took his life and i wrote the song in uh wrote the song when we were on tour with turnover no we were on tour with you blew it and microwave in 2015 in virginia beach at the venue ziggy's no not ziggy's uh there's an, a venue down in, I forget what the name of the venue is, but... Uh, it's right on the beach, right? It's right on the beach. Uh, I've been there. I can't remember it. Yeah. I can't remember it either. Shotgun's live. Oh, That's what they it's called. changed names. Yeah. All right. That was another one. So we played there. It, and is, I was feeling, it is the beach. Yeah. I was trying to end up writing that song. Really? And that's the the way I wrote the song in the car. I think maybe one or two things changed from that moment to the final song. And the middle is kind of like... The end part where it kind of does a major swing, it's from the perspective of what I imagine my friend Sean might say mm-hmm. if he could still talk, which is kind of like a weird place to be at. And it's the first time I ever tried to assume that role in songwriting. But yeah, it's it's a, definitely a, like a, a, a stony jam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one, A Better Son. This is my second favorite song. Oh, thank you. Um, I think I love, I personally love songs that just build. So it starts really slow and just builds. Keeps, yeah. keeps getting, add another thing, <laughs> add another. Um, that's kind of like, I guess, how, how did it come together and, and that sort of writing the style? The demo for that song sounds absolutely nothing like it came out. It was So like, was that something? It sounded the, like a Pine Grove song when I first wrote it. <laughs> and then like I was like done with it and Charlie, who lives with me, who plays drums, kind of walked by my room and heard me playing it. And I just kind of like got walked in my room. Because like a lot of times I'll write a song and just bail on it. Like yeah. it could, I could be finished and I could be like, nope, it's over. I don't want it anymore. And then he was like, yo, what if we did this? And I was like, oh, okay. And then we went to the studio and jammed and I was like, oh, word, this could be totally realized as something else. So we, the band, all of us together kind of made that idea come out and uh, bringing it. We brought a lot more keys and roads and, and piano on this record. And Adam brought a key, is bringing a keyboard on tour so we can do more of that cool. stuff. So yeah, Adam just like laid down the keys line for that and it came together really nicely i think nice disappeared third favorite oh i know I <laughs> um i love the basketball reference that was sweet yeah i didn't i thought i was like pretty stoked about i like that's a weird i feel like i may have been the first one of the first people to mention um what's it uh someone joked to me that i was the first person to mention uh shooting hoops or like uh I forget what the exact wording is uh i forget it too Jump, so, shooting jumpers yes um and uh <laughs> yeah maybe it is I've, i played basketball <laughs> growing up and uh i lost five friends so i thought it was apt to reference it as a basketball team yeah no that's cool or not cool but like i guess it's <laughs> not cool at all <laughs> wasn't 10 no um the uh i love the that it's upbeat i thought the chorus was great i can already hear people singing that at the at the shows you know or learning it so it just Thank felt you. um again uh, how i was listening to it and listen to it a lot it just 
a lot of times you start listening to a, a, an album and you're like, what track is it in? Oh, it's four. Oh, oh I couldn't. each time I could tell a song changed or it was different or my ear perked. Damn. Um, so I think that's what's really interesting about this whole record. That I, I don't know that. if other people have said that, um, but that's, the, that's what's, again, each of these ones had something a little bit different Damn. to it. Thank you. Um, especially with the placement of all the songs. Thank you. Um, yeah, the like, placement was a long process. But like I'm Car, that. again, another quiet song. Um, you know, there's a different delivery of your voice. Um, and I think that's sort of like the, uh, I'm like a, there's a Jimmy Eat World song called Polaris, which I think should have been bigger single, but it was, totally. like, it was like track eight. Yeah. This is Car. Like, all right, we're, we're like track, we're a little bit deeper in the record. Totally. Still should have as much love as the singles or whatever. Yeah, totally. Pushed. Um, I guess talk a little bit about car. Uh, I also wrote that in a car. Uh, you know what? You're really good with song titles. They're so bad. My, most of my song titles are arbitrary. <laughs> I usually name them after friends. Um, I just love that I said it's car. And then you like, I wrote it in a car. I did. I wrote it in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, I was wrote that song in like 15 minutes. Uh, just like I was in a really bad place and I just sat in the car. Um, and I just wrote it about my life at that moment. And, uh, I think it pretty much stayed the same until we uh, to until the, the point band, today. Yeah. Um, where are you? It's a rocker. It's a rocker. Oh, Adam loves the lead. Adam put the lead on it. It didn't have a lead. It was just like ding, 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 ding. And then he was like, "Yo, let me just put a lead over that." And his favorite band is one of his favorite bands is Roswell Kid. So which one? Roswell Kid. Oh yeah, yeah. And so it was just like that harmonized fat lead was just like obviously an influence for that. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one's that one's I'm, I that one also I listened to the demo version I had of that one. It's got like an eight bit drum set on it. And really, it's like, but it's like totally the opposite of what it sounds like. So a lot of these songs really change shape, but a lot of them stayed the same. Adam and I listened to it yesterday when we were in my studio, and he was like, "Oh my god, dude, turn this off! Like I hate this." <laughs> <laughs> uh, second letter from Saint Julian um, feels really nineties to me. I don't know if you thought about that at all. Like it's got a little chorus in the guitar. Like I felt like I you know hadn't been to college yet like it felt like like a little bit i was like a little clean um and then another one that's kind of builds and builds and builds and then totally. goes back down yeah i think oh yeah the most of the last two songs except for the quietest song on the one yes. the last two kind of do the same thing and they flow i think they flow nicely into each other which was an important point of keeping those near each other anything from that like does the 90s thing throw you off like that's it just felt like i don't it, know it could be on 120 minutes totally if, if you came out then and it was sent that in that that would have been the one to send tight let's do it let's bring it back <laughs> he, he doesn't know what 120 minutes i don't know is. what 120 minutes is that's fine what we're is 120 minutes on. we're gonna move on what's um, 120 minutes i just forget do you know one time i you know i referenced <laughs> i referenced encino man with um Raina maria and all of them gave me weird looks and i go come on guys you're my age i know what encino man is see what's yeah, the yeah. deal zach doesn't know what encino man is <laughs> this is a movie right it's a movie yeah it's a movie isn't the dude a caveman so 120 Minutes was a show on MTV that played Sundays from midnight to 2 a.m. And they played alternative Oh, songs. sick. And it was the only, like... Like Beavis and Butthead type stuff? No, it, they played videos. Like, oh, actually, sick. like, didn't make fun of them. They actually played videos. <laughs> Damn. Like, I watched... I mean, Saturday nights was Headbangers Ball, 10 to midnight. That's what, you know, the 10 videos they'd play. And then 120 Minutes was Sundays. Damn, that sounds sick. But it was very, like... All the 90s bands. You should make sure you were home every Saturday night. You had to be Sunday home from night. that. Oh, 
Oh, it's like, it like before school? Yeah, Sunday night before school, you'd have to stay up. Damn. Rough couldn't life. just TiVo it then. Couldn't, huh? couldn't TiVo. Couldn't Who's find the last time anyone said TiVo? <sighs> Maybe someone. TiVo is like the root. I still my mom's my, my mom still just calls like any recording of anything TiVoing. We never even had a TiVo. She's just like what society told her. Like one time I, I went. I've been vegan for about five years now. Um, and the first time I came home, I brought a friend at home, and we were making some vegan pizzas. And uh, and this was like the first year of my veganism. And my mom asked them and said, "Are you Whole Foods too?" And uh, she thought veganism amazing. was called Whole Foods. Um, Why isn't your mom here for this? I wish she like, was here. Marianne. If, she was, if Marianne was doing the podcast <laughs> with you. She'd be telling you a little, a little thing or two about Whole Foods. <laughs> she's still in it? Where is she? Uh, she's at home, I think. No, she, not right now. I mean, <laughs> in general. <laughs> <laughs> she listened to him, sure. Back, they, we just moved out of my childhood home like about a year ago. And so they live in, my parents live in this, this new place in Manchester. Nice. They love it. It's about a mile from my dad's garage that he works at and about a, two miles from my mom's school she teaches at. It's the American Perfect. dream. Dude. Clo- just just stay close to work yeah my my, my dad is uh, a mechanic my mom is a sc- kindergarten first grade second grade teacher my brother's a firefighter and i am just i'm just <laughs> the non-traditional one <laughs> are you whole foods yeah i'm whole foods oh, as hell. <laughs> yeah the they i've i've been vegetarian 20 plus years yeah. and every thanksgiving that's the worst every thanksgiving tom we got you. We got you the tofurkey thing. Are you okay? Okay, I don't need to have meat on my plate to feel connected to your family. I will. Yeah. I will eat the mashed potatoes like totally. going out of style. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I usually like my weirdest thing about that is like I feel like like I smoke cigarettes and I feel I don't love that I smoke cigarettes. Let's just say that. Let's start the story with that. But the reason I don't smoke smoking, cigarettes. Everybody. The reason I started smoking. Um, I was playing in a band with Charlie. I'm going to put all the blame on Charlie. Drum okay. noise for this one. Way to go, Charlie. But I was playing in a band with him, and uh, I was like 16 or 17, and uh, everyone in the band smoked cigarettes. And I was like very pretty straight-laced. And like they had always be like, yo, do you want to sing? And I'd be like, I'm okay. <laughs> and so they started feeling weird about smoking cigarettes around me in kind of a scenario where it's like, you ever go to someone's house, and they made some food that you don't want to eat? And they're like, do you want some food? And you're like, honestly... I already ate. I'm so good. Thank you, though. Chipotle and they're like, earlier. They're like, oh, well, like, well, we won't eat this around you then. And you're like, no, no, no. By all oh, means, yeah, please yeah, yeah. eat it. Like, I just don't want any. And that's how I felt about cigarettes. And eventually, Charlie just got me. I felt like I was at the family dinner table and just kept avoiding dinner so often that I just started smoking. I don't even know what the story means, but I just want to tell you that Charlie got me to start smoking cigarettes. I hope that you <laughs> find a way that you don't have to. Totally. I'm working One on day. it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is an intervention. Uh, more people are here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I th- no, Thanksgiving, I also think... Uh, but yeah, Thanksgiving, that's what I was trying to talk about. Like, people at yeah, Thanksgiving like, always want to make you feel... Yeah, like, you like, need to have this, this, like, I don't this carcass impose. on your plate. Yeah, like, I can just do what I do. Like, I'm all good. You don't have to make any exceptions for me. I can figure it out. But I hate, I feel always bad when people feel like they're like... They so, need to have fake meat. Yeah, yeah. They're like, so we got you. We didn't know what I'm going to get, so we spent like $200 on fake meat. Not really, but like, we got you this and this. I'm just like, I would have just eaten rolls. Like, I want to just hang out and be yeah. part of this thing. I don't need to be nourished. I'll just go home and make a sandwich. I also think, too, sometimes <laughs> when you go out to eat, they're like, uh, we, we tried to find a place with vegetarian options. You don't have to. Totally. It's everywhere. I can eat at uh, Outback. Totally. I, I can find get something. Get yourself a gosh darn blooming onion. Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. Just give them a little extra sauce, I'm fine. Last time I got a Bloomin' Onion, uh, 
they gave me a coupon for a free Bloomin' Onion. It's still in my wallet like See, four years later. There's one in New York. And let's, <laughs> let's go get some onion. <laughs> Vegan, vegetarian, just, goes, just go in and just gnaw <laughs> away at a couple this. onions. <laughs> just ripping those things off. Just share it. The leaves. Uh, a couple more jams. Cool. Leave the fan on. Um, love that line because I always think about you know that. Um, but... I love, the, I love the ending as well, um, and the line "Let my stomach uh, become a cancer." What, what's what was going on? Who who, who did you want to have the leave leave the fan on? Just like I don't know. I always leave the fan on. Like that's just been always my thing. Like I can't sleep without a fan. I can, but there has to be noise. Like if I I'm staying somewhere there's no fan, I'll usually put headphones in and listen to like white noise. So, like, a big thing about me has always been, like, I've always just had fans around me, which is, like... So, it's, like a, so it's a sort of, like, comfort. Yeah, yeah. This, which is like, so I've always had a fan on. I think that is pertaining to the people in my life that have not been, do not exist in my life anymore. And I think that's pertaining to their um, exit or entrance. Just as long as the fan is on, I will be okay. Or I'll be able to get through it and mm-hmm. fall asleep eventually. Uh, the last one, New Room. Um, first time I heard it, I thought, and I thought this is his something in the way of Nevermind. Oh, damn. Cause it felt like, cause never, you know, that was totally Albini recording him in the studio, just playing it. And he just put a mic up. We did that. How did you do that song? Cause do, do you know the reference? Yeah, yeah, totally. We did that in a really weird way. So we had all the drum mic set up in the live room and I noticed there was a, I noticed there was a button. So there was a button from the control room to the live room that had a speaker that like, so basically if Mike wanted to be like, yo, come in here and check oh, this yeah, out, yeah, yeah. he could just like be like, come in here and check this out. And we'd, it wouldn't come through headphones. It would just come through the room. So when we had all the drum mics set up, I was just like, Mike, like it was like one in the morning, we were ending our day. And I was like, I'm going to take my acoustic guitar. I'm going to play this song. And I want you to hold down the button the whole time. And we're going to record it using all of the drum mics set up. So it's all phasey and weird. Like there was like 20 mics. Wow. And that and I mixed it. It took me like a minute and a half to mix just because of microphone levels. And that's how it came out. So it was like through the studio intercom microphone into the live room, which is pretty wild. I loved it. Damn, thank I you. I didn't know if it was like, I mean, it felt like I was like, yeah, there's oh. no effects really. It's just, that's how it sounded, which was really cool. That's rad. Yeah. Um, Anything else on the record? I guess that's it. That's all the songs. Yeah, that's right? all the songs. That's, that's all, all she songs. wrote. So, few more things. All I wrote, I guess. Fall, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Oh, we're good. Few, uh, f- few more things. Um, I guess with what's going on today. Totally. And you know, a lot of bands um, taking stances. A lot of bands saying things. Um, I thought your stuff uh, recently with donating proceeds to the ACLU. Um, do you see music taking a bigger role? And I think it's interesting um, when there's bands that will have people write them and say, shut up and just talk about music. Fuck those people. It's Fuck so those crazy. People. It's, I think... You, here's the thing. It's like, you don't have to like my band. Like, yeah. above all, like, there's enough people already in this world that don't like my band. You can join them. Like if you think that my job is to solely be an entertainer, yeah, you I'm are just like sorely it's mistaken. almost just like I'm on stage the whole time giving you a show, and isn't Twitter or Facebook or all those things supposed to be the inside of what you guys are thinking totally. about? And I think music's role in this is so important, and I'm excited for the music because so, of it. Scared, but also yeah, excited. It's been hard for me to be excited about anything lately, to be honest. Like 
obviously I put a lot into this record and I'm really proud of it. But in times like these, it's like hard to be really excited about it when there's so much fear and concern. So the fact that like truly over the next two months or however long it takes for this record to come out, it comes out the 17th, I believe. So March, yes. uh, yeah, it's just a scary time. So the fact that anyone can take the music that we write or the music that I write in a positive manner in that way is kind of beyond me because it's just so much other stuff to focus on and make sure that we're doing our job at, but it's also important to maintain some elements of like consistency and normalcy that what music would, would do. And so I think a lot of people have said, or few people have said that like they're excited about the Trump administration because of the effect it will have on punk much as though the Reagan administration did in the eighties. And I think, I think that sucks because I don't think anyone said that in the eighties. Totally, they it's like, like looking back, you can oh, glorify. Thank God, it. Uh, I'm so happy for Fugazi <laughs> to play. Thank God, yeah. It's no, like, everything is okay. It's like it's not like that. It's our job as musicians. And it was a people, reaction. It's people in a platform that can talk about the things and help educate those people that may listen to them. Be it. Uh, through your band, through social media, through your live performance, there's always an opportunity to talk about things that are greater at hand than you yourself. And I think the like at the bare minimum, what we can do is donate. What we could do more is donate our time. What we could do more is encourage people who are like our music to call their senator and, and encourage a change, to call their House of Representative member and encourage a change, to meet their neighbors before anything, before you move to Philly, to join the punk scene, move to Philly and get to know your community and go to any city and don't occupy space that you think that you deserve. Occupy a space that you would like to belong to and a community that you feel needs you just as much as you need them. And so it's hard and it's scary. And I want to be there for anyone that that needs the help. And I think it's important that we use our voices. But I think if you want... If you don't like what we say, or if you don't like the ideals that I hold, then that's okay. Um, I won't respond to you. I think a lot of people, trolls, if that's the correct word, will try and get a response out of you. And I don't think that it elicits a response. I think as long as I can state how I feel and my emotions and my views, I just like, if someone's going to say like, you know, like your band is like, yo, I liked your band before you got political. It's like, yo, my band was always political. Yeah, it's like, my, what, it's not this, like we're not raging against the machine. We're not playing, like, we're not of that caliber. But even during but like, any administration, you were still saying, like, hey, this is really screwed up or this thing's happening totally. or you should pay attention. It it's wasn't like, just, it, it's not like it changed. Totally. It's just more important to stay vigilant now and just tell the people you love that you love them and make sure that you hold on to the people that are affected by this administration and take care of them and do everything you can. And so we have this show happening tomorrow night uh, at uh, the Gateway. It's uh, Jeff Rosenstock, myself, Ben Hopkins from Power Bottom, and Gabby from Eskimo. And we're all playing some solo sets, and all the money from the show is being donated to CARE, um, which is the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And so I just think there's a lot we can do. We can go to protest. Charlie and I have been to a few. We can go to town hall meetings. Charlie has been and I have been to a few. Our band, we believe in equality for all people and we i don't we don't think people should be poor there's a lot of problems in the world that we just agree with and we should use bands should be able to use their platform in a way that they find so fitting and if the one we choose to use is i also speak on mental illness like i 
I know mental illness. I suffer from manic depression. So it's something I can speak on. But when it, when it comes to like um, people of color, I would rather, on using Twitter or social media, I'd rather boost the voices of those directly affected than use my own voice and occupy a space I don't belong in. My job is to hit retweet on someone who has the experience to speak on rather than me voice my opinions on mm-hmm. something I know nothing about, nor will I, maybe I know some things about, but it will never affect me. So I think that's another part of your social media capabilities is to allow yourself to boost those voices of those that are affected and need the help most rather than covering up those voices with your own voice, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. So I think there's just a lot you can do all the time. And I think it's important to chip away. And as long as they don't pit us against each other, we should be, uh, we should be able to sort this, this out eventually. And hopefully, and I think take music, care of people. music is one of those ways to stop thinking about it for a second, but also know that they're with us. Totally. Yeah. It's uh Music has a lot of power, and like you can look to a lot of different genres and a lot of different lyricists and a lot of different musicians for answers to a lot of questions that you may have. And I'm constantly finding new bands out each day that help me <coughs> with my day to day, and I think help others with their day to day. So mm-hmm. it's music is music is music is all powerful. Well, let's hope. Totally, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess for you, what what you kind of mentioned that with the House of Re- Representatives and the Senate. Um, you know, do you feel like people need people in the independent scene need need to take a bigger role right now? I think if you think it's your job to take a bigger role, I don't think okay. I would rather. Again, I'd rather you boost the voices around you rather than say something you don't know anything about. I think if it's a chance for all of us to speak, and we all have people that you know maybe follow us our band, and I also don't think it's the point is to not delete those friends on Facebook that are of the mindset that's opposite yours. It is your job to entertain the conversation and tell them your views and explain so that maybe you can find some commonplace. It's difficult and it's frustrating because that rarely happens. People are so set in their ways and their views that no matter what I say or you may say or our friends may say, we'll change their mind. But it is important to open that dialogue. And I think there's a lot bands can be doing. There's so many things that need the change and the help and the focus. I think for me as a as a person on stage, I like to talk about mental illness and I think it's important to let people know they have a life worth living and that is my experience and I can speak on that. And so I think that it may not be super important for a band that doesn't have the experience to speak on something, but it's important to boost the other voices and perhaps donate their time or their money or their effort individually mm-hmm. to an organization worthwhile. Um, but if you have something to say, you should say it. You shouldn't hold back. It's not that time anymore. Uh, switching gears to the future. Cool. Um, how do you feel about the the scene right now? I love it. There's a lot of bands I love. I love a lot of bands. I love music. <laughs> that was a sentence. But uh, like more of you know the. You it's know, different it's, than I started. Things are getting bigger. It's different than things I started. Are, totally. There are more people paying attention. There totally. are more media cares. Gives media a shit. cares. I, I I mean I think about doing this five years ago, and you know there was one or two places. Totally. One, three, five, maybe a handful. And it seems to be more and more people are what I'd had hoped was treating it with respect and treating it not as a joke. Totally. Yeah. And I feel like that's starting. Totally. I think that and also comes with the conviction of the music. I think that um, people are writing songs more based on personal experience um, rather than trying to appeal to a mass audience. I think that one thing that we try to do with this record and I always try to do with my music is like be as personal as possible. 
which and comes it's across. Just my, it's just like what I know. It's like my experiences are what I know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak on a grand scale saying that like, like it gets better or like you can do this. Like I'm, I want to speak to my personal experiences and if you can take from that. And I think that a lot of bands are starting to speak from their own like places. Like, like that song, I listened to the song called Sleep in the Heat by Pop a lot. And they have, the song is literally about his like pet chameleon passing away. And it's so raw, and it kicks so much ass, and it's very vulnerable and very real. And it's about a personal experience he can attest to. And I think that a lot of bands and people are, are using this opportunity to do the same. And, and people are connecting to it. Totally, and I think that's what's going to... And it's gonna, not this sort of... It's not fluff. Totally, yeah. But you can also now recognize more easily the fluff, and I think you can separate it more so than it was in the past. And, uh, yeah, there's like a, there's a million bands I want to actively support, and... Uh, I think that the future is bright because people are also starting to do new things like uh, step out of the box sonically and musically and not stick to the same. But it all connects. Totally. There's it's, a way that it's, again, no one's really like, oh, I'm going to do this sorority noise thing and I'm going to do totally. this, this and this and this. It's like, no, I like this band, this band, this band. But there's this underlying current that we talked about earlier that I just feel that it seems to connect. Totally. And even if it could be common bands, it could be a city. Look, I think we're, I think we're, Two to three years away from a Paul Rudd Oscar. And I think we're about four to five years away from a band in this scene making the Grammys. Yeah, That's no, just no. how I feel. No, I, th- no that, that was my sort of follow-up. <laughs> no, this is the, uh, being serious, that was my follow-up. Being like, what's the next band that's going to make that record that then goes crazy but it's still true to what the sound is? It's not like they're making this I have like you know, all... power pop thing. It's different... Julian Baker's my favorite musician and favorite songwriter. I think she is firmly think that she is going to make an enormous impact. And she has the voice and is one of the most kindest people I've met and one of the best songwriters I've met. And also the social awareness and the just overall well-being to take those things and be the voice that I think that... Because she, she's like a huge... like. I don't know if you know much about her, but she's like enormous. And this is like her vibe. Like she listens to like maybe that maybe that use her favorite band. So it's just like, I'm really excited about her. And I think that she has a lot of opportunity ahead of her. And I'm really excited to see what happens with her music. So I feel like, uh, also pub two seems like a band that I just like, I think is going to be cemented in like this time. Modern baseball obviously has already done the job of like, People will look back in twenty years, and modern baseball will be a band that they will bring up about. What's great, two thousand ten to two thousand fifteen. Well, what's great is that there, it was that cycle of them taking out someone out on the road, and then they kind of get another lift. Totally, and it's like that. That whole cycle is it's all I about think, that. It's all about because I yeah I, I like I booked very early modern baseball shows to very few people, and in turn they now take me on tour with their very popular band. You did band. it because you liked them. It wasn't yeah, it's not. Thought, I, oh, in five years? Yeah. You're take me you're out. You're going to get a tour with Modern Baseball. I never thought that. So, <laughs> no. And nor should anyone think that. And I think if you're thinking that and you're using people, then you're doing it wrong. And you're using people to the advantage of yourself rather than helping a community or a greater thing. Like, so, like, it's same thing in business. Like, if you have a meeting, we have a meeting. Totally. And I'm just trying to get shit out of you. You're like, why am I in this meeting? Totally. It's like, I need to offer something to you so it feels... Yeah. Not that sort of business business. Boxing's you, another one, though, I think, that has a lot of opportunity. I, yes. feel, I have always thought they could be like a national level band, like like the band The National. Like They're just like, they make really, really good, interesting music that a lot of people can get behind. And there's so many bands like that. I feel like I, it's hard for me to, 
list them off. Yeah, it's like hard I think to, the yeah. Pine Grove will make a really positive impact on a lot of people. And like I they already have Tellier's last record. Totally, did. yeah. There's a lot of bands that are doing good stuff, and uh, you just got to continue to follow them. But it's also just as important to make sure you're boosting the bands that don't have that opportunity. Like a lot of times in interviews or something like that, I might get asked about brand new. It's like brand new does not need me to vouch for them anymore. I didn't bring up. Like, like, no, I'm just saying like in general, like I love brand new, but like I would rather bring up a band like, like talk about Namdeoga Benoya from like Chicago or talk about great grandpa from Seattle or talk about people like you from Boston or talk about animal flag from Boston or talk about a band that people haven't talked about as much that I love. Brand new's gotten all the love and people know like just the band. Welcome to the impetus of washed up emo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's just like, it's about (laughs) bands that you care about. And like, not that I don't care about the popular bands, but like, I just like fleet foxes doesn't need me to rep them hard anymore. Like they're doing fine. And I, I, and they're going to, they're playing Newport folk fest this year, which is great. Um, Friday tickets, I think already sold out. (laughs) Um, a little, little, uh, little thing there for Newport folk fest. But, uh, yeah, it's just like I am all about – I try and tweet out bands all the time. They're like, if I listen to a record like this band called Notches from uh, New Hampshire that I love, one of my favorite New Hampshire bands. And I think I like will just chill and like tweet their album out. Like for a while, I was doing like once a week just because I liked it a That's lot. That's rad. And there's an opportunity also where Subordinates has like 20,000 Twitter followers that like – like Modern Baseball, I was saying earlier, I posted that they didn't even know who Old Grey was and I shared – their first album sports on the old gray facebook page and tied their band name in it and they told me that they got almost a thousand facebook likes just that day wow and this is an era where like facebook likes don't matter anymore because like the internet's dead and you know well it's like it's like the, mark zuckerberg the, owns us all and if i don't pay a thousand dollars to share a post then my mom's not even gonna see yeah it. yeah um but back then there was no there was no whole, whole like you could post something on facebook and everyone saw it and so it was like an opportunity. It was like, I hate the algorithm or whatever they use now to make you stop working. Someone yelled at me. Um, I had like a BuzzFeed thing that I'd posted. And this guy wrote like, can you stop posting, you know, BuzzFeed stuff? And I go, blame Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg's fault. You dude. missed my um, I hate myself post because what it didn't band. do well. I was talking to someone about I hate myself. Dom from, I started this jazz combo. And Dom who plays bass with me without you and plays uh, guitar in Lithuania. Uh, we were talking about hey myself that song uh, song for all the young Casanovas uh, that song that two song record is so killer I've always wanted Subordinates to cover uh, Drowning uh, the Captain the Cheerleader I can't remember it's the titles. one that's like uh, same thing with lyrics I don't remember titles uh, but I could play it he says like uh, <laughs> I've been wasted on cancer in Bible schools you know that one it's like seventh song on the self-titled I probably um, have to revisit. They have the song that says the Kamehameha on it. Like the, this isn't, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I hate myself. It's an awesome band. I love that band. <laughs> wish I, I wish I remembered lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I remember. I just like stick to things and I like pull them. <laughs> Some different strokes. Yeah. It's like the riff for me. Like totally. I'll remember the riff and like could play it. And yeah. Some, I hate myself riffs are pretty out of tune. So I don't know if I could do a pretty capable job of humming you back. <laughs> the way the song goes <laughs> let's hum uh mid 90s screamo you can't actually you can't. it's just like <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a great song yeah it's a classic city caterpillar <laughs> it's mesa verde mesa verde is the band that do you ever listen to that band no they're they're a band to check out they're like the screamo band that i think started years the were whole they? <clears throat> had to have been 90s or like early early 2000s but they're like 
I think they're the reason piano sounds the way they do. And I think as a result of that, they're a reason that all of the music that came after that sounds like it. The post-rock Screamo yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because early Screamo was just like, if you even touch a reverb pedal, I swear to God, I'm kicking you off the stage right now. <laughs> and then Mesa Verde and bands like Pianos came through and it was just like, oh, word, and like envy. And like, you can make yes. it sound enormous. And Love also envy. enormous vocally. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mesa Verde has always been my band ah. to recommend. Classic 30-minute lo- songs type did, stuff. Envy's when I need to do work. Yeah. Because need... it doesn't always screaming. It's just like yeah. a little anthemic. They did a split with Thursday, right? Yeah. Thursday also did a split with Dytro, right? Which is a great split. Dytro, that French band. They know what's up, man. They do. I've never met Jeff. I would love to. He seems like a real great guy. Jeff's supposed to do the podcast. Let's hope he does it. Jeff, Jeff if you're listening, answer my email. Uh, <laughs> but the, Jeff, uh, if you're listening, how's it going? Respond <laughs> to my Twitter DM. <laughs> you know, another good uh, scream out, uh, Shizun, if you haven't heard them. S-H-I-Z-U-N-E. Huh, cool. I forget if they're from Spain. Cool. Or I forget where they're from. And then that Euro Screamo stuff is And tight. Germany. Germany's got some Screamo. It's like Titan is from there, or the June Blue Jungluth. I haven't heard them. Dude, both of those like I think that both of them Titan did a split with uh I don't remember. I used to I used to know my European Screamo like the back of my hand. Amanda Woodward is a great French band as well. Yep. Rain from uh yes. Italy is an awesome one. The um Rain, one of the members, was in a, the restaurant that we do one of our DJ nights. Damn, that's crazy! Yeah, what a great. I I once spent forty dollars on a Rain T-shirt to have it shipped from Italy. Over really? The US. Yeah, I had like eighty dollars in my name, and I was like, I need this shirt because they have that song. This is my tiger, the tiger suit song. It's so good. We should just do a, a screamo. Yeah, episodes. We should. I could get. A, we get a interview. panel. We get a pa- I know that uh, Josh from Foxing is a big screamo. There's a lot of screamo nerds. Evan Weiss has one of the yes. best screamo vinyl collections I've ever seen. All right, so we got Josh, you, and Evan. Okay. Next we'll, time we'll you guys all together. Yeah, totally. Maybe, maybe a South by. Totally. All right. Uh, last thing. Um, are there any dreams or feelings? Or, yes, you have a new record. Yes, you're excited fo- about it. But are there any sort of further things that you're thinking about or dreams or hopes? Just keep writing music. I just keep writing music. That's all I think about. I think that, like... This I don't know how this is going to sound, but basically the things I wanted out of like when I was 16, the aspirations I've had, I have been fortunate enough to go beyond what I thought was capable when I was 16. Now, every day I'm making new goals and trying to continue to push myself. And like my goals when I was 16 were getting a record on vinyl and like <laughs> playing in California and like... I don't know. Just those were the big two. And like being on a label and like r- recording at a studio, like those were my dreams. And so luckily enough, I've been able to do them. I have no expectations and never been much for me. Cause I feel like whenever I, t- whenever I took a test in school, I assumed I got a zero until someone else told me otherwise my grade was an F. And I think that's kind of how I live like this. Like you're constantly challenging yourself as long as you're constantly making new goals and, ex- and expectations for yourself. So yeah, we just, I just try and, so is there is there an, is there another goal? Mm, just keep doing it. Like the goal now is to sustain. Like make sure that like ha- I can to always have a career totally and be able to like play music that I feel confident about. And I don't care if people like it or not. That's fine. Just like be able to do what I love and like do it how I think is right. And I think, I mean, if we ever play Pitchfork Festival, our booking agent has to smoke a cigarette. 
So I guess that's something I would love to do. I made that bet with him like three and a half years ago. That if I we like ever played that. Pitchfork Festival, he's straight edge. Uh, oh wow, <laughs> it's high stakes. So I, I guess I, I know I would not take that bet. <laughs> People, try I don't think we'll ever play. So he might be in luck. But I guess if that is one weird goal, okay, you'd have to do a side stage while we played. I like that. So the whole cigarette, or I just, you just need to take a drag, just a drag. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I like that. All right, Zach's finishing the cigarette after him. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me. Cool, thanks for being on. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. I took some time to myself to sort out all the things that make me feel the way that I feel. Just this year, I lost a basketball team to heaven, and I'm sure they're shooting.